Hi, I'm Justine, and I'm here to tell you being mentally ill isn't the end of the world. I know what it's like to live with a mental illness. It's hard. You're constantly trying to hide your struggles from others, and you feel like you're weaker than others because of your illness. But that's not true. So many badasses struggle with mental illnesses, but they don't talk about them because they're afraid of being judged or thought of as weak-minded. Well, guess what? They're not. We can change that by talking openly about our struggles and sharing our stories with each other in a positive light. This is why I created Mentally a Badass, so we can come together as badasses who are also mentally ill or who has had it rough in life and share our stories with one another in a safe place that celebrates our strengths rather than shames our weaknesses. I hope this podcast helps you feel less alone in this crazy life of ours, and I hope it makes your life just a little bit better. Josh Rose is a transformational health coach, trauma-informed plant medicine facilitator, and somatic breathwork practitioner. Josh's journey began over a decade ago when he found himself trapped in a cycle of depression, anxiety, PTSD, and more. He was in chronic pain, battling addictions, and struggling with eating disorders. Frustrated by the limitations of the Western healthcare system, Josh embarked on a quest of natural healing methods that would lead him to a profound transformation. Through deep introspection and the study of psychedelics, plant medicines, mindfulness, shadow work, biohacking, somatic healing, breathwork, spirituality, and more, Josh managed to heal all of his diagnosed chronic conditions within just six months. Over the past decade, Josh has touched the lives of over a thousand individuals through his coaching retreats and transformative programs. His expertise as a trauma-informed facilitator and transformational coach has been instrumental in guiding others towards their own healing and empowerment. Located in Orlando, Florida, Josh collaborates closely with his wife as they co-host ceremonies, retreats, and programs that facilitate profound personal growth and self-discovery. In this episode, we will dive deep into the wisdom and experiences Josh had gained throughout his journey. We'll explore the topics such as holistic healing, overcoming trauma, power of plant medicine, and much more. Whether you're seeking personal growth, struggling with anxiety or addiction, or simply curious about the transformative potential within all of us, this episode is for you. Welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine, and today I have my good friend, Josh, who I haven't spoken to in a hot minute, but you know, randomly in my brain, I had a thought, and I was like, you know who would be really good for the podcast? And I just ran out of nowhere thought of him. We haven't spoken in years, and it was just like, oh, so I reached out to him, and I was like, I don't know if he's going to actually reply, I'm just randomly sliding into his DMs. And then I remember he said to me, oh, my God, I was just thinking about you today. It's still insane. Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Yeah. So it was meant to be. So thank you so much for taking your time to be on here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Okay. So again, every episode of Mentally a Badass, we are going to dive deep into your past because that is the reason of where you are today. So let's 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 dig deep. So when I first met you, I was 18 years old and we met through, I believe, a friend or whatever. Um, and I remember you were this like big gym rat and mm. you uh, didn't really talk much. I remember you're actually very intimidating to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's going to probably be really mean to me because you're like this buff guy, like gym rat, like, yeah. But then we connected again a couple years later. And then you came to me and you told me that you were actually very depressed during that time. So I kind of want to talk about that, like how you were feeling during that time and what led you to feeling depressed. Absolutely. So first off, during that time when we first met, I was a gym rat. And as you find a lot of people in the world of fitness, not going to make a big generalization for everyone, but on some level, fitness becomes a way for people to cope with their insecurities. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're insecure. We feel not good enough. We feel unworthy. And we're seeking love and a valid love and validation through changing our bodies. Right. We're trying to change the external in order to change the internal. So I developed an obsession and an, an addiction for fitness. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but during that time on the outside, I looked extremely fit and healthy, but internally I was falling apart. And I suffered severely with eating disorders and body dysmorphia. And pretty much I was working out twice a day. I was competing in powerlifting competitions. That was my whole career track. I was going to be a professional bodybuilder, a professional powerlifter. But in the background, I was binging on tens of thousands of calories at night, making myself throw up, going on these starvation diets. 
And if I wasn't perfect in my diet, I would enter these periods and cycles of shame and self-sabotage. So that continued on for years until I had this psychedelic experience, which I'm sure we'll go deeper into in this podcast, that completely, um, I had a complete ego death where it completely shook and rocked my world and I lost um, sense of who I was. And during that time, I became so disconnected from my body, I started also getting injured. And that's when my quote unquote spiritual awakening began, when I started to lose my identity with my body and started to find my identity with my soul. So you said that you were feeling like shame and you didn't feel good internally. Where do you think that stemmed from? Like, I believe that there's a reason for everything or why you would feel that way. And typically, usually it was started in the childhood. So are you willing to open up about what could have contributed to that? Absolutely. So I have, I don't know if you know this, but I have a twin brother and my little brothers are also twins. I think maybe. Yes, I, I, feel, I feel like we knew a lot about each other at one point. <laughs> well, good, good catch up and refresh you here. I have, yeah. I have three brothers, two, two sets of twin boys that my mother had to raise pretty much by herself. And for the first seven years of my life, it was very chaotic. My father was um, bipolar. He was an alcoholic, very abusive because I was the oldest. I got the brunt of that physical and emotional abuse. So through that, I started to isolate myself from the world. I started to gain weight and find comfort and um, safety through food, like um, a lot of emotional eating. And through that, I started to gain a lot of weight, which transpired into a lot of bullying in school. I was that kid to get pushed into lockers, had sodas dumped on my head. And I think what we're going to going back to the idea of fitness covering up an insecurity, I think I wanted to develop this hard shell to try to protect myself. So through trauma, through bullying, through abuse, um, I think that's where a lot of the shame came from. A lot of a lot of it was definitely from my father and how I felt like I was never enough. No matter what I did, um, I felt like I was unworthy of love. So that story of being unworthy continued to transpire in my life. And even though I was getting validation from the outside world in terms of my body, I still never felt worthy because that worthiness was always conditional. And that worthiness and that love that I was seeking really to the punchline was I was looking for love from myself. So unless we get that love from ourselves, we're going to continue to feel that shame. You explained that so well. And I actually think I remember the story. It's when you're, when you're trying to talk about it, how you used to be, you know, eating a lot and bullied in school and, and more like overweight and such. I, re I, I am starting to remember like us having a conversation about that. Um, but that takes a lot to also be mindful of like what happened and really an understanding that your the feeling of unworthiness came directly from that. Like a lot of people still today would deny something like that. So mm -hmm. that took you definitely, you know, a lot, a lot of courage and such. So let's go into your whole spiritual awakening when you had you said you had like a psychedelic experience. Was this um before we reconnected? Be like a while back. I think this happened before because correct me if I'm wrong, when we reconnected, this was like after I had let go of like the fitness persona and identity yes. and started to go on my spiritual journey. So I think it's this was before we reconnected. So go ahead. Let's let's go. Let's go hear about the psychedelic story. I'm, we're all ears. So to continue that story, I was supposed to compete in a powerlifting competition. I was supposed to break two world records mm -hmm. uh, in squat and deadlift by like miles. And I started to get injured. And th the catalyst to that was a chiropractor that I went to who was adjusting my hip. And he ended up tearing my hamstring, mm -hmm. um, dislocating my ankle and putting my knee out of place. And being the gym addict that I was, I didn't stop training. And I kept training because that's what my whole identity was. So I couldn't put it down. Mm -hmm. And I just kept getting injured. So started injuring my back and my knees and started to just become so in pain that I had to cancel that powerlifting competition. Mm -hmm. And six months later, I actually found out that that chiropractor was laid up, was fired for using cocaine on the job. So funny oh my story. God, that's so scary. This guy was all coked up and just trying to like pop some muscles out of place. <laughs> oh my God. It's so horrible. Um, I look back and I'm like, thank you. That was like a divine intervention from God. Just like setting me on a new path. No, and for real. What are the odds of that happening? 
<laughs> very slim, but the universe is very is very funny in that way. So ended up getting injured and ended up ending up in so much pain, canceled the powerlifting competition and end up going to my first music festival. And this is a music festival in Maryland. It was a camping music music festival. And I had my first psychedelic experience with LSD. Mm-hmm. And often when I tell this story, people are like, oh, did you take too much? Was it laced with something else? But it wasn't. It was just one tab of acid. And I was standing at a stage while listening to the music. And as you were speaking to before, I was very shy. I was very insecure. I was that type of person who just like stood at school down dances with my head forward, my shoulders hunched forward and just very shy and insecure. So I was standing at that stage. Everybody was dancing. It felt like I was like in an alien spaceship. So I was just feeling so disconnected from the world and from myself. And my friend Greg comes up to me. He's a very silly dude. He comes up to me, grabs me by the shoulders while I'm feeling very insecure and weird coming up on this acid. And he looks me in the eyes and says, Josh, you try to be this big macho man on the outside, but inside you're just a scared little child. And to this day, he doesn't remember saying that. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm not. That was that that's what woke me up. And in that moment, it felt like my psyche fractured into a million different pieces. And I started to spiral into this very, very dark place where all of the traumas, all of the insecurities, all of the inadequacies and stories that have been running my life underneath the surface that I had masked up with this persona of being fit and being strong started to all come up as my identity started to crumble. So I started to forget who I was. I forgot who my family was. I knew I had a mom, but I couldn't remember what she looked like. I knew I had a passion for fitness, but I couldn't remember why. I knew I was at a music festival. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And I just started to spiral into this very paranoid place where I started to have visions of me ending up in a psych ward and being schizophrenic for the rest of my life. I'm like, oh shit, this is what happens to people. They take too much psychedelics and they end up mentally fucked up and that's Mm going to be me. So for the entire night, I spiraled and continued to lose myself and felt like I was a million miles inside of my own mind. And often with these experiences, these ego death experiences that people have with psychedelics, on the other side of it is this big revelation of who they actually are. That didn't come for another six months. So I woke up the next morning completely disconnected from myself in complete pain because of all the injuries. And I just, I didn't know who I was because everything that I believed I was fell apart. I thought I was my body. I thought I was my career path. I thought I was how I looked. But then come to realize, punchline, we're none of those things, right? We're not our body. We're not these identities. So all of that started to fall apart and I was left with nothing. It was just a clean slate. So going home, I didn't understand what a spiritual awakening was. Mm-hmm. All I knew was I started to develop WebMD syndrome. And I started to look on WebMD. All my, <laughs> symptoms, all my yeah. symptoms were saying I have fibromyalgia. I, saw I had IBS. I had depression. I had anxiety. And I'm like, oh, shit, I do have all these things. And I also felt schizophrenic because I was like hearing and seeing things mm-hmm. during this time. So I start doing research and... There's two sides of me. One side of me says, oh, you're going through a spiritual awakening because I'm watching all of these like spiritual YouTube videos and influencers. All the symptoms are similar, but this was completely new to me. All I knew was Western medicine. Mm-hmm. So I started mm-hmm. going to psychiatrists and mm-hmm. um, they diagnosed me, diagnosed me with depression, with anxiety, with PTSD, potentially bipolar disorder. Also went to doctors. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and IBS. Mm-hmm. So for these six months, I was chronically depressed. Mm-hmm. I was suicidal. I couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in constant chronic pain, inflammation in my body. I couldn't eat anything without my stomach flaring up, my di- digestive system flaring up. And they ended up putting me on medications. Two weeks into the medications, I have this intuitive voice that starts speaking to me. Get off of these. You have to face your darkness. These aren't going to heal you. You have to face what is inside of you. And I don't know where that voice came from. It was the voice of God or my inner being or my higher self or the universe, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it. I took the leap of faith because I had, it was very clear to me that the people that I was looking at in the world who were numbed by medications weren't getting any better. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be one of those people who was on medications for the rest of my life. I wanted to actually heal. Mm-hmm. So I started researching plant medicines. 
-hmm. I started finding mentors online. I started to find clarity of this new path. And then a friend invited me to have a mushroom ceremony. Mm -hmm. So during this mushroom ceremony, um, if you want to go deeper into that story, I will. But punchline of that was I spent the entire time processing trauma and crying and coming home to myself. And the next day, I all of the symptoms were gone. And I was on this like high flying disc of purpose and clarity and presence. And that's when I started meditating. That's when I started practicing yoga. That's when I started fasting. I became a vegan for a few years. I'm no longer vegan now. But during that period of time, I really started to take control of my own mind and my own healing path. And that's why the work that I do today is so focused on empowering people to be their own healer, because we have that power within ourselves. So that was the start of my journey. But Obviously, we have many spiritual awakenings during this path. So that was the the first one, but it's been a it's been a ride, Justine. Yeah, no, I feel like when you said that we have multiple, I honestly feel like I, I was actually thinking that in my head as you were saying that. I was like, I feel like I've been through, but I was I feel like I've just been through so many different phases of my life that just came out of nowhere, like a completely different phase. Like I have like my new my New Jersey life, and then I have my yeah. Disney the last five years where. Disney came out of nowhere as a whole other story. And then how I got clients, like my, my freelance website on Fiverr blew up randomly for my social media gig. So I took that leap of faith to go do become an entrepreneur. And then, um, you know, we're mentally a badass. Like it's doing pretty well. Instagram, it's like growing every single day and the reels are doing really well. So I think it's like telling me something that I'm doing this right. And can talk about age. Do you, do you uh, believe in the whole angel numbers and all of that? To an extent. I, yeah. I see it from a very simplistic lens. I like kind of see it for as like the universe winking at me. <laughs> I feel like I see it so often. Like yep. the one, 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 I see, I've been seeing a lot of four, four, four lately. Yep. And it, it, it gives me a lot of comfort, you know? And I was seeing them so much when I was going from my transition from Disney to being my own business owner. I like cried and everything. Like it was like, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And so when I was going through that, I was like, I feel like, this is it, this is hard, but it's like it has to happen. So I just feel like I just go through it different phases. And then do you ever feel like we always fear in our head, like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life and like always feel like you have to have like your whole life planned out. Like, I feel like a lot of people think like that. And I actually saw this like TikTok where it's like we got to stop like thinking that, oh, we got to always kind of find like, 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 who are we in this? Because we're always changing. We're always evolving. We're always growing. And then I'm like, that actually gave me so much comfort because I feel like my life changes like every five years. That's so true. It's so true. It's not linear like this. If you're listening, it's not just like a straight line. It's more so like this, just very chaotic. It's very messy. The, the journey is very, very messy. It is. And then I don't, can I, can I see people who have like the same career for like their whole life and they they literally do exactly what society says. I mean, I think deep down they're really not happy. But then there's like us where we go through all these like phases. And it's like you think about it, like at first we get all stressed out about it and anxiety. It's like we're thinking, oh, my God, what's wrong with our life? Or, or like I can never have my life together. But in reality, we have a freaking awesome life where we always get to experience and evolve and do new things all the time. And I think that's like the greatest gift. One thousand percent. And this this is like a huge perspective shift to for, and this is what I talk about, like self-help is making you miserable because we're constantly comparing mm -hmm. where we are to where other quote unquote spiritual influences are. And we're comparing mm -hmm. our lives and our journeys to somebody else. But listen, just the fact that you have the ability to work on yourself is a freaking blessing. Yeah. Right? You know people in the world don't know where the next glass of clean water is coming from. You know True. how many people in the world wake up every day wondering if a bomb is going to fall on their house? You know how many people yeah. in the world living live in the slums and are homeless, right? Just the fact that you get to work on yourself. Yeah. That's a gift and a privilege. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And not and what you said is completely 100% true. And there's also been people here, you know, in the US who you know, may wake up and not have to worry about, I mean, then again, who knows? There's a lot of weird stuff going on in the US lately, but um, we didn't expect like the whole smoke thing in Jersey and Canada. But anyway, that's, that's, you gotta get my, my I'm, I'm kind of getting a little off. I need to cut that part out. Anyway, so my point <laughs> is that there, I know people who are always in survival mode when it comes to having to pay the bills and having to work overtime, having to work like 12 hours a day. And like, even though they're not have to think, like, oh, one of my next glass of water, but it's still like, 
they're like in auto th- their whole life. And it's like they have it's kind of like they don't have no idea what's going on in their surroundings. And I'm like, I see those people and I like hurt for them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I wish they could just get out of that. Like, I mean, we, what, we, what they say is like the rat race and stuff. But also it's like you and I like we're both business owners. So we do have like we can take time off right now for like an hour. And yep. like, like I'm in between my work day and I'm like, okay, yeah, three o'clock and I work from home and I'm assuming you probably do the same thing. Yep. So it's so, it's such a privilege to be able to like have, to be able to do that. Yes. You know, yeah. it's really cool that I can like turn off for work for like an hour to talk to you and do this. Yep. yep. 1000%. And although you may not be quote unquote in survival mode, like tangibly mm-hmm. to the nervous system. This is what trauma does to us, right? Even if you're not in survival mode, even if your bills are paid, even if you have a job, even if you have a phone and a computer and a roof over your head to the nervous system, you can still continue to perpetuate that victim story, that fight or flight, that survival mode, mm-hmm. even when you're not in survival mode. Right. That's where self-sabotage comes from is when everything is fine to your nervous system and to your inner child who may still be carrying around traumas of unworthiness. And I'm not good enough. If you grew up in poverty, right? I grew up where money was never enough. We were constantly moving around. So even when everything was fine, my nervous system still felt like everything was going to fall apart. Even today, I'm, I still work through it, right? Like even though everything's fine, I'm still teaching and training my nervous system to know I'm safe. You don't need to move so fast. You can yeah. slow down. Right? I'm still working on that Even too. If you're not in survival mode tangibly, the nervous system doesn't know the difference because if you're playing out these fears, you can constantly put yourself in survival mode just by thinking someone's going to judge you or thinking that you're going to fail at this job interview, right? Then you start yeah. to put yourself back in survival mode. So that's why being aware of this is so important and having tools to regulate your nervous system so you can teach yourself that I'm safe. Yeah. That it's okay. So since we're talking about that subject, I want to go to my question about mindfulness. So I discovered mindfulness in, I would say maybe like 20, I mean, of course I've heard that word, but in 2016, I think I really took the time to actually work on that when I was watching a bunch of like YouTube videos and such. And, um, I didn't realize like throughout life, how, asleep I was about how I was behaving. Do you ever like look at your Facebook like on this day and look at statuses from like uh-huh. 12 years ago. Some of my statuses are, I read it and my future self is like, what the heck? Like yep. I was going through it, you know, like I would say like, craziest things around like 14 or 15 year olds. Like I know it's a, a, a teenager and such, but it's not about a teenager or not. I like to read these statuses because I like to see, oh, so if I was upset about something, this is how I react to it. But I wouldn't react to in that way. And I think back then I wasn't mindful of that. Yes. So do you believe because when I tell people, you know, about mindfulness, a lot of people, I feel like think that it's something quick to learn. But I think it's like in a practice, you know, you're always constantly practicing to to be very skilled at being mindful. Like, like what's your take on that? Like, you think I think it's something that can take like years to really master or I want to hear your opinion. Takes a lifetime. Yeah. it's not a practice that you do to get a result. Yeah. Like you don't meditate to get good at meditating. You meditate, you meditate to get good at life. Right. So like, it's a constant practice of bringing mindful awareness into every moment, into every action, into every emotion, into every behavior that we have is to, is really the devotion to living a mindful and intentional life. Most people, when they practice mindfulness, they're like, okay, I'm going to do this so I can get rid of my anxiety. And they think, mm-hmm. oh, now it's not working. So then they're yeah, using- that's what, I, that's what I was saying. Yeah, like that. Exactly. Because they're using it as a, another coping mechanism. And mm-hmm. these pre- spirit, quote unquote, spiritual practices, breathwork, mindfulness, X, Y, and Z can also be coping mechanisms, right? We use them to escape our emotions rather than to become mindful and present to them. So mindfulness is a way of life. It's a devotion yeah. to being present. Yeah. And- I have a question for you. So I feel like we, you and I both have done so much work with, you know, really mastering, you know, being skilled and being mindful and changing the way we react to things because, you know, at the end of the day, like anything bad things can happen to us every single day. And it's all about knowing how to properly react to it because you have to protect your own like self peace and such. And there's a lot of people in the world who has not taken the initiative to really work on that and practice that. 
Do you ever yeah. find yourself like, or it could just be me and I need to work on it myself, but do you ever find yourself frustrated with if you're around people who I guess would react so negative to like an external stimuli, I guess it's like the proper word for it. Or I guess, are you like a more patient? I think you're kind of more like your level of your like practice. Basically where I feel like, I mean, between me and you, you know, I, I like to practice certain things that you do too, but you're obviously on a different level than I am. So would you say you're, you're finding yourself more patient? And I would, yeah, I would say that there is no levels, right? Like okay, this, that's fair. This, this idea of, and this is where I feel like the whole conversation of self-help is making you miserable mm-hmm. comes in as like the comparison game, like thinking that there uh, isn't. And that's why we start to have, we project our frustrations and judgments onto other people who aren't quote unquote awake, mm-hmm. instead of just the place that I've come to is taking a lot of work. It's just like true unconditional compassion, right? Like compassion for other people of like trusting that everybody is doing the best that they can in their journey, mm-hmm. that maybe people haven't quote unquote woken up yet. And I get to walk around with the compassion of knowing, oh, that person's being reactive. I was that point of in one life and in, in, in some point in my life too. Right. So and yeah. it's taking work and maybe these people haven't gotten there yet, but I have just like this deep unwavering faith that everybody is in their own process. Everybody's going to wake up in their own timing and the universe is more intelligent than me. Yeah. You really stomped me with the whole like level thing and with the whole self-help thing. You got me there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love being, I love being stumped because I like to be, um, I like to keep learning and really have my eyes open. And I feel like I'm learning a lot from this whole conversation. And of course, everyone that's like listening to this. So it's just such a great feeling. Like, I love when I'm, I mean, it's not like you're saying, oh, you're wrong, but you're like educating me. That makes sense. For sure. I just think I didn't know how to another way. (laughs) (laughs) I just think I didn't know how to explain what I was trying to say. I think that's where like my issue was, is that I have a hard time. Like, I know what I want to say, but how do I, like, explain it? So I guess in my brain, when you're taught about, like, levels and stuff like that, I guess that's how I, like, explained it to you. But I just didn't know any other way of explaining it. But, yeah. <laughs> Listen, there, there, there certainly are levels of this path and this journey, right? It's just, like, yeah. it becomes limiting when we start to see ourselves as farther back and, like, a less than level because then we're perpetuating that same not good enough and less than story that came from childhood right and then we take that and it transitions into our personal development journeys where we think that there's somewhere to get to right and a lot of my journey in personal development has been this like neurotic need to be perfect in order to change and grow and prove myself of being worthy x y and z And over my journeys through different plant medicines and deeper embodiment within myself, I started to realize, wait, I already am everything that I'm trying to become. Mm -hmm. I was created as whole, worthy, and complete. Now, through the traumas of life, I started to create these false stories that I wasn't good enough. And now in our spiritual lives, in our personal development journeys, we're trying to prove ourselves of being good enough. We're trying to get to the quote unquote next level but what if we already are everything that we're trying to become and if we can just give ourselves patience and recognize that we're exactly where we need to be then we can remove some of the pressure right and bring some fun back into the journey bring some play back into the journey so many of us are taking this journey of healing and personal development so seriously i need to meditate every day and if i don't then i'm unworthy i need to get to the next level otherwise i'm going to be left behind Right. So then we're holding on, we're contracting instead of just opening up and trusting the flow of life where we can play, we can laugh, we can love, we can connect, we mm-hmm. can express ourselves and find joy in where we are in our process and stop trying to get to a destination. It's cliche, but it's a journey, not a destination. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So I have uh, one uh, follow up question on that, because you were saying um, how people, OK, if I don't meditate one day, I'm going to feel unworthy. Um, and I definitely agree that people definitely shouldn't, I mean, people can feel whatever they feel, of course. Um, but it's definitely toxic to have that kind of have that feeling. If you miss like one day of mindfulness, um, a lot of times people in these like self-help, like niches, they talk a lot about discipline. So what is your take on that? Because I, I mean, my personal opinion, I do feel like humans, like, let's say they have a goal in life. 
And I, I just like, I, I feel like it's good to have goals, like healthy ones. Now, yeah. but, but if obviously if you don't make that goal at a certain period of time to never like to not feel down about it, like I've had certain goals mentally badass and I didn't reach them and I'm not going to cry about it. Cause it's okay. You know, like there's no reason to cry about it. I'm still growing. It's, it's going, you know? Um, so what is your opinion about people working on practicing discipline and all of, and all of that? Hey listener, if you have come this far into the podcast episode, I hope that you are enjoying it. And also, I would love if you guys, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you can leave a review, it helps so much um, in the algorithm to get our podcast pushed to new listeners. And if you're on Spotify, if you can follow us on there, that would be truly amazing. And the more you guys share, the more that we grow in this podcast. And the more we grow, the more episodes we can put out for you guys. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. And now back to the episode. Let's first, we'll look at our relationship to discipline. Okay. Right. Who are the first people in our lives to discipline us? Parents. Parents. Parents in the school system. Yes. Right. Many people haven't had loving and compassionate parents to discipline and guide us in healthy ways. We mm-hmm. were disciplined by what? Being punished, mm-hmm. right? So discipline, our relationship to discipline in our lives then becomes the self-punishing mechanism. And I'm not saying this is the case for everyone, and I'm not shitting on discipline at all, but we need to look at language and our relationship to this thing that we're trying to apply because many people who are trying to be disciplined it's coming at the expense of their own inner peace and their own worthiness, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm not disciplined, then I'm not worthy. And that leads to the shame cycle. So I chose to let go of needing to be disciplined and I took on devotion. Mm -hmm. So devotion over discipline. So let's look at the difference of these words. Mm -hmm. Discipline is your commitment to actions that you are taking. Devotion is your commitment to values that you are making important in your life, right? So now values, let's say, let's say you're trying to be your discipline is working out and eating healthy. Now there's you're human, right? You're human and you're not going to be perfect. And one day you might miss a workout. And one day you might have a slice of pizza. That doesn't mean that you're less devoted to health. But if you're only focused on discipline, then you're going to start to take on the stories that you are not disciplined. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it more in a broad range of wait, do I still value my health? Yes. So I'm in overarching in my life. I am still devoted to health. I'm still devoted to mindfulness. I'm still devoted to being a good person. I'm still devoted to being a loving person. So I don't need to be perfect. So I've let go of the need to be disciplined and Mm -hmm. chose to be devoted. And the funny thing about that, Justine, is I'm more disciplined now, Mm -hmm. but not because I'm trying to prove anything, but just because I've let go of the pressure around it. And these behaviors come from a place of inspiration they come from a place of being of service to myself not you have to do this yeah no that's actually that's actually a really good answer instead of using the word discipline using devotion and it also just sounds a lot more positive yes because you're right with the word discipline i mean me personally i i used i don't think of the whole how i used to get yelled at and punished anymore but i think could i kind of I, I think i've kind of taking that part out that's just me personally but like i'm sure a lot of people could be thinking exactly what you're saying but also um the word devotion is just i don't know just does sound nicer a good word right yeah so good i think that i think that should just like that statement should just go viral you should make a post about it that's a good that's a good post idea (laughs) make devotion viral yeah no i think just for you for your like social media so that'd be a good like post to talk about Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, just an idea. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's talk about we kind of went from we I feel like we kind of went to a whole different like route. So um let me see what we can chat about now. Let's talk more education about plant medicine. Mm. I love this topic. So there's C B D, THC, Kava, Kratom. Am I missing anything else? Ayahuasca, sure. psilocybin, ibogaine uh yeah you're very educated all of that so um okay i'm trying to find like a really good i feel like it's so much and i feel like we could talk like five hours about it because you probably have so much knowledge but before we go into that how did you get all your knowledge are you like self-taught do you like 
you said you were looking at mentors at one point. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of my journey has been my own uh, search for answers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about the world that we live in today. You're one Google search away from finding an answer that you're looking for. You're one Facebook group away from finding community, right? You're one event away from finding people that you can connect with and learn from. And there's been so many teachers in my life, but most of my journey has been my own internal exploration, my own search for answers, reading books. But I, over the years, have done a lot of work sitting in plant medicine ceremonies. I lived in an ayahuasca retreat center for about six months apprenticing oh, and, cool. and um, helping facilitate ceremonies. I got certified as a trauma-informed plant medicine facilitator. I'm also a combo practitioner. Me and my wife, we facilitate ceremonies here in Orlando. So it's certainly been a journey, but I wouldn't have been, you can't learn about this stuff from a podcast mm -hmm. or uh, a book, right? Like you can le learn the knowledge about it, but it's yeah. one completely different thing to experience it for yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because I feel like, I mean, with, I mean, I've just been really into Kava lately just because my boyfriend's been working for that company, but I also do have a client, um, that sells like CBD and THC online and also like in smoke shops and stuff. So I, that's like where I kind of like started learning more. So do you use any of them like on like the regular, just like kind of like more like a personal question? Yeah, I, I, over the past few months, I have let go of cannabis, um, mm -hmm. which has been a beautiful teacher for me. I have so much love and respect for the medicine of cannabis, mm -hmm. but I stopped smoking because I felt like it was slowing me down mm -hmm. and kind of holding me back. But I have started to really love kava and kratom being mindful of not using it too much because mm. I do from the past have an addictive personality. So just being mindful of that. Mm -hmm. But over the years, I have lessened my need or use of plant medicines. Um, but they've given me so many lessons. They've helped me heal so much. And one thing that I want to say here is plant medicines are not going to save you. Mm -hmm. And we there's I, I feel like we have to take plant medicine and put them in two different categories, right? There's the plant medicine of like the herbalism side mm -hmm. of like kava and all these different herbs and different plants that aren't psychoactive. But then there's the plant medicine side of the psychedelics that really mm -hmm. provide a very spiritual healing experience for that side of things. They're not necessary. And I think a lot of people go to them as an escape, mm -hmm. um, but they've been such a pinnacle in my journey of becoming who I am. And I'm such an advocate for these psychedelics and plant medicines. Yeah, right now, I feel like I just started with the kava about literally three months ago. And when he started working there, <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like it's really helps me a lot with like creativity. Like when I, it depends on like which one I take, like what this one that I'm drinking right now is actually meant to like relax yourself. Yeah. Um, So it makes me like more calm. And I just it just helps me a lot with like, anxiety it really calms down my whole like nervous system like at the time i'm having it um and cbd always does really well for me i haven't had the best experience with thc though okay let's transition into biohacking i'm very fascinated i did a quick google search and um did i have anything to do with i think from my memory was it thing with like food with healing and such or am i wrong could be food is definitely a part of biohacking okay let's talk about it cool so <laughs> biohacking has become this like very um, glamorized word in today's social media world, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it really? What we need to understand first about biohacking is that the best biohack is taking care of your body, right? Everybody's looking for the secret to health and energy and vitality and focus and productivity and creativity. But often the, the best things that we can do are the simple things right? Sleeping. Sleeping is probably the best biohack you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Meditating. Great biohack for regulating the nervous system. Ice baths and cold showers. Incredible. I do them every day, right? Food, the food that we're eating. You can't do any of these biohacking practices. They're not going to make any difference unless you have a, a high vibrational diet of whole foods, like living foods that are allowing your body to be um, operating in its optimal way, right? Mm -hmm. So our bodies are naturally inclined to be um, very healthy. We are naturally healthy and 
energized, but it's the things that we are adding into our life, the distractions, the fried and processed foods, the, the dyes and the chemicals and the toxins in our food, our lack of sleep, our overuse of technology that's really hindering mm-hmm. our energy and our focus. So first off, starting like we have to remove the things that are hindering our body's naturally natural ability to be healthy and to be in vitality, right? So often this journey is about removing the things that are preventing you from being health, as healthy as you can be rather than adding something else in, right? So is it is it weed? Is it tobacco? Is it nicotine? Are you smoking a vape? Are you not getting any sleep? Are you using sc- your screen too often, mm-hmm. right? So it's, are you eating too much processed foods? So that's the first place to look is like, what is draining your energy? And then in terms of the other side, what is going to give you energy? These biohacking principles, sure, ice baths are amazing, right? There's great supplements that can be um, beautiful for supporting brain health and nervous system and immune immune health. But really the basics of movement, sunlight, hydration, sleep, that's really the places to start. I've been doing that this whole time. I didn't even realize it. I've been biohacking. I'm a huge, but I, I biohack a lot. And I'm like, literally the one that's going around, like always getting like, if, if I if I go to like, say a friend's or whatever, I see so much like processed food and everything. I, I had like a lot of stomach issues. in like 2017, I had like a whole surgery, like, a well, appendicitis is pretty could be common. But I also do a lot of a lot of doctors are like, Oh, this, this stuff just happens. You know, you kind of grow up and people think, Oh, someone's sick. It just happens. It just happens. Like, I don't believe in that. Like, there's a reason where why people are getting sick, why people have stomach issues, why people have this disease, this, that. Like, I mean, for me, I don't know why I have glaucoma in my eye. I still say I do not understand that. Like, but um, I mean, there's always a reason for everything. And I think for someone who had chronic illness since I was born, I mean, I had the cataract and glaucoma and everything. I think that just probably maybe changed my mind where I'm just like, I was like given this illness and I probably, who knows, I don't know, maybe something could have triggered it and I didn't, I wasn't aware, but now I'm like so big on what I eat and what I put in my body. And it's like, I think you, I think actually maybe you were also some, someone that really helped me with this like a while back. You had, I think you told me when we're having one of our deep conversations and you were saying, oh, the government's like trying to kill us or something like that. (laughs) My my conspiracy theorist days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was, it was during those (laughs) days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like it stuck with me. And I think a lot of times I feel like I've learned so much from you. And when I talk to people and stuff like this, I always feel like, oh yeah, I had a friend named Josh and he, I literally still bring you up to like people like throughout my life. If I have like a kind of deep combo like this, I, I always bring you up because like some, a lot of the stuff that you told me, it like stuck in my head, you Mm. know? And it's just because like, it's really, I'm not gonna, it's really hard sometimes to find somebody who I can have a conversation like this with, you know, like I just, I know I don't blame anybody for not being able to to be able to open up like us and talk like this, of course, because it's everyone's going through whatever. Like, as you were saying, like, I don't get upset when people can have these conversations with me, but I'm just like, I, every time I find somebody and have these conversations, I'm like, okay, I got to keep them close because sure. these kind of conversations like keep me alive. Like <laughs> yep. 1000%. So anybody but- listening, you're not crazy. <laughs> think you're crazy. You're not crazy. And that's the great thing about podcasts like this, right? People don't have friends, like they can re- tune into podcasts like this to. I do that. Them. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Do you do you listen to uh? Do you know Jay Shetty? Of course, love Jay Shetty. Yeah. Every person I ask, they're like, "Yeah, absolutely. I know exactly who that is. He's great." Yep. And I, I I listen to him because he like opens up my mind to a lot of different things, and it's just. That's a lot of reason why I listen to podcasts as well and why I wanted to create one. I was like, I think this is a great opportunity to have these conversations and people can find it and realize, like, as you were saying, oh, no, we're not crazy. Like, there's people out there like us. Yes. Um. But yeah. So anyway, so what I was going back to what you were saying, I remember we we're talking and um, you were saying how, like, how the government, you were having that whole conversation, how the government's killing us and all of that. And I actually do see this conversation being spoken about on TikTok a lot lately, yeah. um, like the whole conspiracy theories. And I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, I heard it first from Josh. <laughs> but there, you know, yeah. 
You're so right, though. They're killing us, but they're killing us slowly. So they can first pump us of profits. They make us sick. They get us hooked on pharmaceutical medications. They make us depressed. So we have to uh, play in capitalistic, consumerist America so we can buy things to try to make ourselves look cool to impress people that we don't even like. Yeah. (laughs) The whole game, right? It's a perfectly designed system to make us um, lifelong customers of medications and materialistic items. Right. And then I just feel like this whole theory, what you're saying, which honestly, I think it's facts, not really a theory, in my opinion, because yeah, sure. it's just so there's so many like evidence of it, you know, it's like, think about like, why are certain foods with certain chemicals that is known to connect to cancer to cause stomach issues to cause diseases like why is it in our foods like why is it approved you know what i mean and then like also like the whole pharmaceutical how expensive it is it's not like it isn't like in other countries it's not as ridiculous as the u.s so it's like come on people need to wake up so it's like how can we get out of this 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 stupid thing of like the government trying to kill us it's like there are options out there in companies that actually do care about human beings like, for example, um, I mean, obviously, it depends where you shop. and I, But, um, I mean, I don't know your opinion about Trader Joe's. Some people have, like, yes and no. Like, oh, it's not, like, it's horrible, but it's also, like, the best. Sure. Like, I like, but also, like, there's Whole Foods, but it's also kind of expensive. But it's, like, also, you can also be buying simple things, For you sure. know? Which is why a lot of people's grocery bills are, like, I mean... Right now, we do have inflation, so it is valid that grocery is expensive right now. But before that, like when I was grocery shopping for myself, I was spending like maybe $50 a week on groceries. And it's because I was buying like whole ingredients. I was buying like vegetables and fruit and meat and just basic ingredients to keep myself alive, to feed myself. While the people who are don't want to take the time to cook and they're just buying a bunch of like box stuff that's highly processed. And did you, by the way, did you know, did you hear about this app called Yuka? No. Oh, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, so Yuka is pretty, so you know how like if you go to grocery stores, like I'm one of those people that would like check like, okay, what's in this bread? You know what I mean? Yep. Yuka, like if you scan the barcode, it gives you it gives it like a grade and it tells you like what ingredients that can harm that can harm no, your body. And it gives you like a whole like descript. It's you will love it. It's free. Yeah. I feel like you I feel like you will love that. Is it Yuka like Yuka fries? Y-U-K-A. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I have, I have another app like that. Apps like that are great. And if you want to just uh, make it simple, eat real food, right? Eat whole <laughs> <Yeah>. food. Like, <laughs> you're not going to scan an apple, like an organic apple and... And just to bring this in, because I know that this conversation can be very anxiety and fear provoking for people because then we walk through the world like, is anything safe? Like, because it's in our deodorants, it's in our perfumes, it's in our makeup, it's in our shampoo, it's in our water, it's in everything. Mm -hmm. And then we start to develop this fear of it, right? And Mm -hmm. that fear, we can transmute into just mindfulness and awareness. But we also need to remember that we're all going to die. Yeah, right. We're all dying currently. We're about an hour closer to death since this conversation started. So <laughs> do you want to go go through your life being afraid of everything? Yeah. Or do you go through your life being happy. So I like, yes, I am mindful of everything that I eat, but I'm mm-hmm. also not one of those people who is super afraid of everything. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. Af- I'm definitely not afraid. Um, It's just I think it's more of not fearing of death. Like, I don't to be honest with you. I don't fear death. I'm the kind of person where it's like, if I, if it's my time, it's my time, sure. you know, like it's inevitable. Death is inevitable. I mean, you can do, you can be as safe as you want, but in reality, I'm mean, like, think about it. Like someone could just like jump into my window right now and, and shoot me in the okay. face. Like okay. it, it, it's like you, you, you don't, you know, and I just believe that when like, there was times where like, for example, if I was one second away from like, of like a intersection there was someone that actually like um went through the light mm-hmm. and if i was two seconds further up that could have t-boned me and i yep. could have died so okay. what's what i'm thinking i'm just like you can't be fearing everything let's say if i go on a roller coaster i'm scared like if it's gonna break and kill me like it, it, okay it's it, it's my it's my time like same thing with like flying on an airplane and stuff like that like you, you just you never know you can't like not live life you know mm-hmm. um 
so that's kind of how I think it's more of me just like not wanting to feel like garbage every day. Of course. course. (laughs) That that's more of what it is. And then also like, I do have a diagnosis of bipolar. So typically if I'm having processed foods and everything, I, my symptoms flare. Mm-hmm. Like the depression gets worse, the anxiety gets worse. And so I think that's why I'm like so big on eating those kind of foods. And so things. interesting, right? Even people who aren't diagnosed bipolar, yeah. if they eat those foods, they get depressed, they get anxious, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's kind of like more of my take. But um, but yeah, but yours is definitely half the yours is definitely makes sense too. I want to know what made you choose Orlando, Florida? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. So me and uh, me and my wife moved to Florida about two years ago during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, we originally moved to Ormond Beach. And I came down here to open up a retreat center that didn't work out, ended up moving in with my partner, who is now my wife. Mm-hmm. And we just looked around Florida. We moved to Ormond Beach to St. Pete. Um, thought we were going to find our people in St. Pete. St. Pete is beautiful, but we came to Orlando because we started to meet this beautiful community over here. So once you're back in the area, we'd love to introduce you to some really amazing people. Oh, I'm excited now knowing that you're there. I feel like you and your wife, even my boyfriend, will get along so well. Absolutely. 1000%. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of the Orlando area in terms of like, I miss one thing I loved about Jersey and the New York area is like the mountains and the nature preserves and being able to go hike up Ramapo Mountain or Wachung. And- There's hiking places in Orlando. But I get what you're saying with the mountain really? part. <laughs> they're, they're very flat and swampy. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> the springs are nice. So I do like the springs. we're close to a lot of springs. Um, don't really like the constant traffic and the touristy area of Disney. But mm. um, I like it here. The people are what make it. Yeah, I, I miss Orlando so much. Like, I feel like when I'm there, I feel like I'm at home, you know? So I'm like super excited. You, 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 to love, go you love Disney. What? You still love Disney as much as you loved loved it back then? Yeah, no, I, I do. I mean, the reason I love Disney is because of not of the comp, not because of the company, but because of the kind of the nature of the job that I was in, you know, like working in a customer service job, getting yelled at every single day, like 20 times a day, <laughs> being cursed out, being pressured in this. It just wasn't meant for a human being to be like attached to a headset eight hours a day and being yelling. <laughs> it was horrible, but, but that's like a whole other, a whole other story. But I miss the community of Disney, you know, but like I, there's a reason why I like got up and, like left New Jersey and went there. I, it made they made me feel. If anything, I think out of every community in my life that I've been a part of, they have made me feel the most accepted. Mm, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like people have so many, so many opinions about Disney. There's so much. Like I, ugh, there's so much you can say about. It. I feel like I should, I should literally like talk. That's to a huge. Of, that's a huge rabbit hole. It it is because there's so many people out there that look down at disney but it's like i always when these people look down on disney i always ask them i'm like well have you ever worked for disney have you ever been inside the disney bubble and they always say no and i'm like that's because like i feel like when you work for disney you have a whole different perception of the company i mean i'm not saying disney is like perfect oh and like they're a perfect company and everything like that like i mean there's so many flaws of the company as well but i mean between all the companies i've worked for they were the least toxic Hey, they make some great movies. Yeah. Yeah, they make some great movies. They have some awesome theme parks. And it's just their culture, too. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so and I've also just met some of the most amazing people. Um, mm. I actually like my last person I interviewed was actually my former boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we had a good yeah, she's fantastic and she's helped me a lot with like growth and such. So yeah. um it's just their whole culture and the whole way that they run their company, you know, like for example. They don't call like they're like our bosses, like managers Like they call them leaders because they don't want it to be seen as in like, oh, we're just like they're just there to just manage the operations. Like, no, they want to be there to like help you grow with yep. with your career, with personal. And they do that, at least where I worked. Like, I mean, it really I mean, I could only tell my story and my particular my particular experience because I know there's cast members have had horrible experiences and it's Mm. because they've had horrible leaders and it's just, it's not, I don't blame the company. It's just at the end of the day, it's the kind of person you are. And Disney usually does do a pretty good job really 
like that, like you know the the recruitment team usually do find usually do a great job with like figuring out okay like who will be a good fit and be the right person to fit into our culture and our community. But you know, there's always human error. One thousand percent. And that's just it. But I mean, honestly, I sometimes think like you know when I move back to Orlando, maybe I want to do like a seasonal thing, like in the holidays, and just I don't know, work in the parks or whatever. Just like not for the money, just to like be part of the community you know i miss it you know i kind of miss going in for free too that was pretty nice (laughs) but um i just miss like you know i'm so grateful for my job and like being my own boss and whatever but i sometimes does get lonely because i'm like working Uh, from home i don't get much like human interaction like i don't I sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I need to leave. It's like, it's also not good for mental health. You need to get out and, and talk to people and such. And so I kind of do miss like going to a job and like mm-hmm. seeing people and such. So I was like, okay, you know, I left Disney on good, on good terms. So I'm hoping like maybe if I can just like do a seasonal thing and just like when they're really looking for people and I don't care if I'm working like merchandise or whatever, it doesn't matter what the job is. I mean, to be honest, I don't want to work custodial. That's the only job I would say no to. That's because I'm not good with throw up or cleaning up. <laughs> like, you know, things like that. Like that stuff, I'm like, okay, I have to like put my foot down for that kind of job. But like, um, I don't mind doing like the quick service and like the merchandise and stuff like that, you know, just being no, part maybe, of the magic. Maybe you'll run the mental health department uh, at Disney. Right? You know, actually they asked me, because we had like, when I was working in the offices, we had like weekly meetings and one segment was um, a diversity one. So we'll learn like a new thing. And then one week was mental health. So they actually asked me to make a PowerPoint for them. <laughs> and then I ended up calling in that day because I was depressed. And I was like really upset. But I was <laughs> like, I know. So I know I'm supposed to do this talk on mental health, but I need to take care of my mental health. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so when I, I, I was so upset with myself because like I was so excited to present it and to like talk about it in our meeting about mental health. And I was like really like uh but you know my my, my that I was that was a dark time in my life but the, uh the brain, the brain can self-sabotage us in very tricky ways i did i wish i can but yeah but apparently it went well so that, that was good um okay last topic before we wrap this up because it's gonna turn into like a three-hour <laughs> when did you did you always think in your head that the whole self-help is kind of like i mean you didn't worded as like oh it's bs or something like i don't think that was that wasn't your wording on your facebook post but um that was kind of like the vibe i got when i was reading it so what kind of like triggered that thought like when was that moment so i'm not saying the whole concept of personal development is wrong i mm-hmm. love reading books i love learning but the 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 way that we go about it i mean is a big difference right so for example Take two people who are eating healthy. One person is eating healthy because they are doing it because they love themselves. It's a way to nourish themselves and take care of themselves and they enjoy feeling good. Mm-hmm. But then another person like me in the past is super rigid and needs to eat healthy and it's carrying a lot of shame, right? So this is where personal development can make you miserable if it's coming from the place of I am not good enough as I am. So I need to change in order to make myself good enough, mm-hmm. right? And Yes, we listen to podcasts are great. Books are great. But if we're spending all of our time listening to other people and not listening to ourselves, then we're missing the greatest value that we can ever get, which is the connection to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure many people listening, including myself in the past, constantly have a podcast going, constantly are watching YouTube videos, constantly are reading books and are constantly taking other people's voices and putting it inside of themselves instead of listening to their own intelligence. Mm -hmm. But I truly believe that there is a magnificent and powerful and beautiful and creative leader inside of every single human being. Mm -hmm. But most people don't spend the time to even get to get to know themselves on that intimate level. Right. And that's why I stopped seeing meditation as meditation. And I just started to see it as a practice to get to know myself. Right. Take a relationship. Take your current relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would have a good relationship, an intimate relationship with your partner if every time you were with him, you were listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos or reading books and scrolling through social media and you never spend any quality time with him? No, that'd be horrible. Right, exactly. But that's what we're doing in our own lives, right? We're listening to everybody else and distracting ourselves with everybody else, Mm -hmm. but not spending intimate, sacred time with ourselves. 
And I have started to get more value and more wisdom out of just sitting in silence with myself and starting to connect with my own wisdom, starting to listen to my own inner voice speaking and starting to realize, wait, wait, like there is a powerful leader inside of me too. I don't need to constantly look for other people to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to the conversation of you already are everything that you're trying to become. So this journey of personal development is more a journey of remembering and revealing and reclaiming more than it is a journey of becoming, right? We think we need to become our future selves, but that future self, that powerful leader, that creative being inside of you is already there just waiting to come out, but we need to make contact with it. We need to get present to it and we need to start to connect with it. That's why my three pillars of my program is intention, integrity, and intimacy. Right? Intention is living a life of intention, of consciousness, of mindfulness, of saying, of making intentions and commitments of who you are going to be and what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Integrity is the ability to follow through on those commitments and live a life of devotion and discipline. Mm-hmm. But intimacy is the act of connecting with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Intimacy, a great word, wordplay on intimacy is into me, I see. Right? Into me, I see is how we develop intimacy. Mm-hmm. With another person, you develop intimacy with another person by into me, you see, right? I'm giving you an insight into myself. Then you start to get to know people on a deep and intimate level. But how often do we spend intentional, quiet time with ourselves? That idea of being alone with yourself scares the shit out of a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Right. Even for five minutes, people are like, oh, I can't do that. Why? Are you afraid? Jay Shetty had a whole thing about that, actually. Yep, exactly. And this this is the secret. And it's not a secret because it's been passed down for thousands of years for a reason. <laughs> like this is the key unlock to a life of true everlasting peace and power and potential <laughs> is presence. So even if you if you don't have a meditation practice, just five minutes a day, start with five minutes a day. I do an hour a day, <laughs> but really connecting with yourself. I have made the like the real foundation of my life and my devotion is to connect with myself and trusting that everything else will flow from that space. Because the greatest illusion, Justine, is that we need to do more in order to be more. But in reality, if you be more, the doing will flow effortlessly from that space. Yeah, that's true. We are human beings, not human doings. So be more. That's awesome. So before we end, I do want to put a spotlight on exactly what you what you do. Um, so you do, you know, you, you say you have retreats, you still you also do coaching and such. Um, yeah, kind of just going to give you the mic right here and just tell my audience exactly what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. So what I do is I help people reconnect with and reclaim their power. And teach people how to be their own healers by reflecting back to them that you already are enough, that you have the tools and the wisdom inside of you to live a peaceful, powerful, and prosperous life. So through that, there is many means of doing that through cleansing and detoxing the body, through connecting with ourselves through practices like breathwork and meditation, by having rituals and routines in our life that allow us to show up for ourselves in a powerful way and slow down so we can be able to connect with ourselves and through that is a lot of coaching where I do a lot of shadow work with people of helping people get get it and getting to know themselves and understanding their limiting beliefs and how to really break through those addictions and those limiting beliefs and heal anxiety and depression from the in- inside out. But we also do a lot of in-person transformational experiences. We um, host com- combo ceremonies, which is uh, indigenous um amphibian medicine is not a plant it comes from the frog in the amazon we i am a somatic breathwork practitioner as well so i do use breathwork to help people heal and process and transmute trauma and we also have a microdosing program so we work with psilocybin microdoses and helping people create that ritualistic practice in their daily life with uh, other practices like breathwork meditation and um, other rituals and practices so if you want to learn more about what I do, my website is transformationalmedicine.life or you can find me on Instagram at it's Josh Rose. Yeah, I'm going to link all of that in the description. Well, thanks so much for being on my podcast. I'm really happy that, you know, we had this conversation and there was I feel like I've learned so much from you and I'm really hoping that my whole audience has, you know, learned a lot as well. But before we do, before we really ended here, um, what is a one piece of advice Last piece of advice 
that you would like to just leave with my audience right now? Slow down. question. Okay. Slow down because you already are enough. You have always been enough and you always will be enough. So slow down. You are on time. You mm. are exactly where you're meant to be going through everything that you're meant to be going through and whatever challenges or pains or tragedies you are experiencing in your life. Explore and get curious as to how they are happening for you and not to you. Mm -hmm. All of my greatest blessings have not come from the good moments in life, but the hard times in life. So if you're go getting going through a hard time, get ready because there's some something powerful that's trying to come through you. Yes, that is so great because that is so true. The greatest things that happen in life. I feel like there's always like a whole thunderstorm and rain and then like something yeah. comes and it's like always out of nowhere too. Santa delivers presents in the dark. Love that. And that is what we're leaving on. Thank you so much everyone for listening and stay, stay tuned for next week's episode. <laughs>